0: The following Art Trap production has been made possible in part by subscribers like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash art trap. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Welcome to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, episode 10. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper, across the pond. Hello, Dave.
1: Oh, yes, and I'm so happy to receive this National TV Award from you, Lewis. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, really good of you to give me that award. Thank you very much.
0: You're quite welcome. Also with me, uh, also with us, I should say, is Graham Sheridan, also known as the Second Doctor. Hello, Graham.
2: Oh, and I got second place. I've been dithered that my awards, just like Doctor Who. <laughs>
0: Never mind, Cumberbatch. Well, we should explain that as we record this right now. There's the National Television Awards, is it going on? Right. Yeah. In the UK, Doctor Who was up for well, uh, Doctor Who related it was up to was up for two awards. I know Doctor Who itself was up for a drama award and as well as um Matt Smith was up for a um I guess best actor or best
1: drama performance.
0: Best drama performance.
1: But and unfortunately we've already had bad news in the drama results. Did
0: Benedict won? Uh, um is it Benedict or Cumber no, Cumberbatch? No, no, no,
1: That's for the drama performance. In the drama it was Doctor Who, Sherlock, Shameless Waterloo Road, and it won't be spoilish, because by the time this show goes out, people will have heard online. And Waterloo Road won that.
0: All right. So for those, since uh, we're covering British science fiction, I don't think Waterloo Road is science fiction. And for those in the U.S. that may only be, a, you know, maybe may only be familiar with. Science fiction stuff in the UK. What is Waterloo Road? Is it a?
1: It's a drama about a secondary school or a comp- uh, junior high, as you might call it, okay. about the teachers and the schools. Uh, but it's done as a sort of uh, a bit of a melodramatic soap of the events that go on in the school.
0: I see. So have they gone? To, have they gone to? Um the actor awards yet, or is that still hasn't yeah, happened The yet?
1: drama performance has not happened yet. Okay. but um, w- one thing that I- we might have breaking news from
0: Dave as as we record this, <laughs> indeed.
1: Yes, the in between have one award, and I'll just shout that out for my friend Ian the Six Doctor.
0: Okay, I'm assuming he's a fan, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here and we're talking about British science fiction. It's uh, January of 2011. So um, our first show of the new year. So Happy New Year, even though it's the end of January now. So we're probably all tired of hearing Happy New Year already. <laughs> but, um, be that as it may. and. Uh, And, you know, and speaking of just before I forget, because we we do have some, we have some British sci-fi news, but one that relates to both, well, it relates to British science fiction, and before I forget, is um, since it is January, we're weeks away, is that next month, because we may not have a show before Gallifrey 22, which is, um, well, actually about three weeks from now or so, at that event, we have a new guest announcement, which is Jacqueline Pierce, who should be familiar to all our listeners, uh, if you're a fan of Blake Seven, especially, or Doctor Who, or she was. Uh, well, first, let me get Doctor Who out of the way. She played a character in the Two Doctors, Jacini, I believe. Was that her name? Yes, Jacini. <laughs> and yeah, you've got two Jacqueline,
1: Jacqueline Pierce fans here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she was a. G- <laughs> she was an angry man, an andragum. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A very hungry one. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> With Shock Eye. So yeah, the Two Doctors a classic Two Doctor story which stars not only Colin Baker as the sixth doctor, but the late great Patrick, uh, Patrick Troughton, Troughton yes. That's the second so, Doctor.
2: Yes. Uh, <coughs> sorry, I've been trying to resist doing that all day.
0: <laughs> well, and also starring in that episode is Fraser Hines, who will also be at Gallifrey 22, so it'll be interesting to see uh, those two kind of talk together, maybe reminiscing about the two Doctors, I'm trying to think if there's any other people that are going to be at the show but no it, it, um.
2: apparently Georgia Moffat has been added as well
0: apparently uh, no
2: no that's what I heard it was only.
0: it's not on there. the website it hasn't been announced it's not
2: on the website
1: no. so
0: I, I think that's just a rumor
1: yeah, yeah it should be a little bit near delivering herself I would have thought
0: <laughs> by then yeah, let's not talk about deliveries. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. I know, uh, and also uh, we are forgetting probably what she's most known for when it comes to British science fiction is her part as Servalan in the classic Terry Nation series, Blake Seven. Which maximum power. <laughs> she played the villainess Server, uh, Serverland there, which, as I said, was a. Uh, Blake Seven was created by Terry Nation, who should be familiar with you. Um, If you're not familiar with Blake Seven, if you're a Doctor Who fan, he was responsible for creating the Daleks and other um, Doctor Who stories as well, but most prominently known as the creator of the Daleks, unless you argue with me in saying, no, Davros is the creator of the Daleks, or maybe...
2: Uh, <laughs> no, we're not starting with that, we're talking about the person who put the pen to paper. Did Davros and, put and,
0: pen to paper? Or pe- maybe uh, Ray Kuzak? you could say, he's the creator of the Daleks. Yeah,
2: And
1: to misquote Mis- Sir Lan, yeah. Graham, we could rule the galaxy together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be dead no, in a fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> No, i would be off in the, uh, the enters. <laughs> uh, ORAC, get that thing sorted, will you, mate? We're out of here.
0: Um, <laughs> so I, I just, before we go on, I just wanted to say the date. It's February uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th, and uh, will be, uh, well, Dr. Hupachuk will be there. The Sky Guide to British Sci-Fi will be there, and the Sci News Driver will be all there as well. So we're, uh, for Dr. Hupachuk fans, we'll be uh, listeners. We'll have uh, a live show there once again, and also we're having a meet-up there on Thursday night, which is the eve before Gallifrey, and you can come and join us there, and uh, hopefully um, you know, we'll have as many people related to the show there as well. So you can... Um, Interact and mingle and talk with us and just have a lot of fun. We'll be doing some recording at the meetup as well for a future episode. Breaking uh, news. Breaking, oh, oh, breaking news. news. Here comes some. Um, uh, no,
1: it's uh, not science fiction, but a lot of sci-fi fans, people who like British uh, programs would like to know that in the factual program, Top Gear has won so that'll be... Some of my uh, friends will be rejoicing about that. No, um, oh, and I voted a, against it. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a, a little bit of a, a tinge of disappointment, though, with uh, your appearance at Gallifrey, isn't there?
0: Is that, well, there's oh, always you know, disappointment you know, with my appearance anywhere. <laughs> Why should Gallifrey be any different? I'm not saying anything, listeners. <laughs> I'm not saying anything.
1: I'm talking about
0: uh, uh, James. I had 40,000 letters. Oh. Well, the the situation is that if we can't uh, if, well, right now we're not in the position to afford to bring James along. We, I can't even bring myself there, but somehow I'm, I'm managing to get there. So, unfortunately, we can't pay James's way, and until uh, hopefully, if we can raise the funds to do that through sponsorships or what have you, then um, James won't be able to attend because he can't pay his own way. It's an expensive trip, and, and realistically, I can't pay my own way either. But you know, we're going to try to make it all happen. But uh, as a Right now, yeah, James won't be able to attend unless we can raise the funds to do that. So um, if you're a uh, listener to Dr. Who I urge you once again to, um, if you're not already, to become a Podchok supporting subscriber and help, you know, so help the show so we can bring the whole show to Gallifrey and, and other events. We, got, we have requests to do a show um, to, you know, bring Dr. Who to to... Um, Chicago TARDIS and that would be great too and um, it would be great to do um, Swansea and all these other shows as well you know but everything you know travelling costs money and we just don't have the money
2: it's a pity because you know I'm sure Dave will be wanting to get to uh, out to Gallifrey this year
1: well, uh, well as the um, <laughs> six doctor puts it very sympathetically we want Dave to get there soon before he's
0: dead Oh, please, hopefully, you know, you don't have to, that's not a concern for you. (laughs) Besides, you're a Time Lord. I mean,
2: just regenerate.
0: that was the good news as far as um, you know, us appearing at Gallifrey hopefully uh, you know we can get James there if not then that is sad news a tinge of sad news there as well uh, but in other sad news is that well I think before I, I go on maybe I'll have Graham step in here that there's been a delay in one of the Doctor Who DVD releases
2: yeah and it's one of the ones I was really happy um, and was really chuffed that was going to come out ambassadors of death unfortunately has been delayed it's it's due to ongoing restoration issues now the thing is the story but only existed in the bbc archives in a mixture of formats which was the original problem. and most of it was only on black and white 16 millimeter film and we only had one episode that was completely in color and had no problems that was the first episode Now, there are two other surviving episodes in color, but they were brought over from WNED Channel 17 in Buffalo, uh, which are obviously going to be recoded um, versions in Never Twice the Same Color, or NTSC. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's for episodes five and six. Now, that leaves another four of the episodes, the seven-parter, have to be restored, and despite them getting a new machine to help them on this job, apparently it's now looking that uh the... uh the, It's just not going to come out this year at all, which means oh, the box so, set that I mentioned has right. uh, been pushed back to uh, 2012, at least.
0: And, yeah, uh, that is disappointing. Sets,
2: the box set, the solar system will probably be taking the, uh, the same way, unless they're just going to release the Sun Makers on its own. So... Just that or I'm just crossing my fingers that the crotons will be brought forward.
0: Yeah, I was hoping when you said delayed, I was hoping that maybe it was just a few months and maybe it was coming out later in the year instead of earlier in the year. But now, as yeah. you say, the,
2: the fact is it was supposed to be one of the final releases for 2011. So the, the fact that they're saying this at this point now and they're looking at still are looking at the end of 2011 to get it done. And it wouldn't have been out in time means there's a lot more work to do on this than they first thought probably. So it's a lot of a big of a bummer, uh, because it still means that the original series seven isn't gonna be complete, which I was kinda of hoping. So we're gonna have Peter Davison complete this year, but uh unfortunately series seven, which is the L E series with um the one Doctor Liz, um, isn't gonna be complete. Bit of a bum, really. Mm. So. Well,
0: let's hope it's you know just a delay and it's not a denial. You know, hope we'll we'll get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Even if it's black and white, guys. Come on.
1: <laughs> now, you you mentioned Liz. There is it perhaps a good point to mention
2: her little bit of news. Yeah. But that we're talking about another Liz, who's actually called Sarah, and not the character of of Liz. On you, go,
1: Dave. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just to say that, uh, and this is from uh, Galfray Newsbase blogspot. Uh, Elizabeth Sladen's author autobiography is going to be out in April. The three three hundred and twenty-page hardback book will tell the story of the woman behind Doctor Who, most enduring character, of course, Sarah Jane Smith. And uh, it should be published by Aurum Press. That's A U R U M on the twenty-fifth of April, two thousand and eleven. <laughs> Price seventeen pound in UK money. That's about uh, twenty-five dollars, I suppose. And it's going to be called "Who's That Girl," autobiography by Elizabeth Sladen. And there's also another book that they will be by the same publishers called "The Man Who Invented the Daleks: The Strange Worlds of Terry Nation" by Alwyn W. Turner.
0: Cool.
2: Cool. So, moving on so British sci-fi and talking of things that were originally BBC but aren't anymore Red Dwarf it's coming
0: back that's the other thing that I okay we were talking before the show about <laughs> what we wanted to talk about and I'm saying in my in the back of my head I know there was something else that we needed to talk about and I'm searching through my notes and all that and I was <laughs> couldn't find it and that's what it was yeah. yes yeah there was so, um,
2: so it, yeah Lewis is searching through his notes was looking for red dwarf could only find f sharp <laughs> and uh, and D minor uh, which was really frustrating but uh, yeah red dwarf is coming back absolutely
0: brilliant now, now this was the a old, slip- up wasn't it someone had said yeah. something thing in an interview somewhere and now, kind of slipped, you think spilled ups, the beans do you
2: think Robert Llewellyn who plays Crichton don't you I mean really because he's the guy that does the slip-ups he's yeah. the one he's the guy that's out there on Twitter putting it out there
0: for you and doing the slip-ups but he confirmed it didn't he on either yeah. via Twitter or his website or his blog yeah. or something
2: I mean he, he can com- well there's many places he could confirm it he confirmed it um yeah even though it's supposed to be a big secret, Craig Ch-
0: Hello? Uh, we lost We lost Graham. Carl! Uh, yeah, oh, you're back. It, on his website. Uh, it was no, Craig. It uh, we lost you after Craig.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so Craig Charles let slip in an interview yesterday that the new red dwarf was definitely going to be made, and castmate Robert Llewellyn has since confirmed it on his website. The whole point was that I was not going to say anything, says Robert Llewellyn. Uh, Doug... Naylor that is, the co-creator, told me face-to-face, don't tweet this, Bobby. Not yet. <laughs> so I didn't. I was really good. I said nothing. I said nothing, Mr. David, sir. <laughs> then I spent a day in my voiceover cell and knew nothing of the interview Craig had done on the radio. So well, uh,
0: w- Wasn't it Llewellyn that first broke the news about the, the mini-series, if you will, the, mini- the, the most recent yes. um, Red Dwarf thing? So yes, it's not yes. surprising that people just assume it was him.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> so it, it, he was, uh, Craig Charles was appearing on The Breakfast uh, Show on Real Radio where he revealed they just commissioned another series of Red Dwarf. We're going to film at the end of November, December and January. That's this year, mm-hmm. which means we're going to get it next year. 2012. Because uh, uh, you've got... Uh, Robert Llewellyn says, you've got to love him. He knows how to spin the scoop, continues R- Llewellyn on his side. I've just spoken to Craig. He was an unusually gloriously funny about it, he said. And I quote, I did a radio interview, and it's just the sort of stuff slipped out. So yes, we are making a new series, commissioned by Dave. Not a special, or a movie, or a one-off doobry, but a full six half-hour episode series of brand new shows.
0: And we so, should explain that when you say Dave, we're not talking about Dave Cooper, we're talking about Dave, the channel the, or the network. The
2: channel, Dave. <laughs> there's a, within the UK, There's uh, since the digitization of the TV network, uh, there is a channel that's uh, out there. Um, it's Named
0: after our the, own, very uh, own Dave Cooper. It's <laughs> the
2: blokes' channel, so to speak, the blokes, the men's channel. And you get repeats of. Uh, Doctor Who's repeated on there occasionally but uh, Red Dwarf definitely uh, Top Gear so you get the sort of
0: the yeah, idea it's not, it's that. in the US there's a cable channel called Spike which is uh, kind of geared for the blokes as well
1: yeah, and one thing to add in there as well that Dave being very kind to Robert Llewellyn they, uh, they're now showing his carpool uh, show uh, people who've probably found that on uh, YouTube or on uh, Robert Llewellyn's own site. Uh, it's where he he picks up uh, well-known people from the TV, gives them a lift to the next appointment and interviews them in the car, you know, yeah. with cameras dotted around the car. Uh, he did that on his own, his own little development. Did it for about two years. It was a really, um, you know, a grassroots thing that grew up on the internet and um, Dave has... Uh, you Know now sponsoring him, Game a brand new yeah. uh Praxis car or whatever it is, and uh, he does it on day.
2: Yeah, I mean, to top that, I mean, I've been following that. Po- it is a po- proper podcast, you can download it through iTunes, so that that's not a problem. And you can get all the previous episodes, it is a video podcast, though. I will warn you. Uh, basically, Rob drives around in a Prius and uh, has several cameras around it because the Prius, you know, a nice hybrid car doesn't use much fuel. Oh, yeah. Thinks of that thinks of the environment and the thing is absolutely quiet, especially in town. Especially since the the third, as it is in the United States or here in Europe, the second variant came out, which can quite a lot of the time work on just batteries alone. It doesn't fantastic. have to pay. It, it doesn't have to pay the congestion charge either, no, either. And the, the other the other fact to this that all the shows that have been shown on Dave are going out on the carpool feed. As well later so you get to see stuff that wasn't actually shown in the original show on Dave in the UK and you can download it worldwide uh, it's a bit of a laugh so you can you've had all sorts of people you've had um, you've had the cat in the car I danny uh, D- yeah. Danny John Jules has been in the car um, you've had um, Craig Charles in the car as well wow. which is hilarious and then you've had other people uh, such as well, maybe not sort of sci fi related, but Stephen Fry's been in the car. Uh, and, oh, definitely uh, the no, writer. Who
1: writer, hasn't he?
2: Is he? Is it not Graham Harper or somebody's. You know, no, not it, seen that uh, yet. But uh, Doug Naylor. Doug Naylor, the, that's the one. Doug Naylor, the Red Dwarf writer himself, has actually been in the car at roughly the same time as um, the show has been put up for Dave. And. Um, he got Patrick. to talk about how he, he bought, if anybody's seen uh, Return to Earth, uh, he explains that he actually bought that, um, that smart oh. himself <laughs> and had yeah. the thing where he sprayed for the show. Yeah, he's had Patrick Stewart in the car as well. Oh, that was a fantastic interview. So, I mean, you know, okay, British actor in American sci-fi TV series, but if it comes with the realm yes um that was a fantastic interview and that was just before the the whole thing with james Corden as well
0: <laughs> sounds like fun
2: Corden gate <laughs> so that's that so we basically uh expecting either to uh from the middle um to the end of 2012 for the uh, next series of red dwarf
0: looking fantastic. forward to it yeah should be exciting And it's going to be a full series. It's not going to be just a mini-series like last time.
2: I mean, it's not a three. Like, last time, was a three-parter that was mm-hmm. done over. I think with Easter period or something like that, and um, it was not bad. It wasn't
0: yeah. bad. It some was people just, were disappointed at how it ended, but it's it's Red Dwarf like, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Red Dwarf. How can you be disappointed? Red Dwarf has uh, eaten its own tail on many occasions. Yeah, <laughs> robberous, <laughs> to quote Red Dwarf itself. Well. So uh, you know, Red Dwarf is Red Dwarf by the, the fact that it actually contradicts itself whenever possible. Uh, so,
0: I love the, hey. the Blade Runner setups that it had in that last one. Oh, it was one. fantastic. Yeah. So, um, anybody, anything more to add to that? So, I was just asking, so it's going to be, a, do you know how many episodes? They didn't say, they just said it's six, six, six episodes. Six, so it's okay. going
2: to be, it's going to be like the original Red Dwarf as it came out back in 1988, which is, uh, six uh, eight series, as as it used to be in the UK, which is six episodes, and not as it ended uh, on the BBC, which was eight episodes, but uh, yeah, looking good.
0: Very good, very good. Well, good news, even though we have another year or so to wait before we see anything of it, but it's um, good news nonetheless. Yeah. Well, not so good news is that there's going to be some scaling back on BBC websites. We know that there's been some BBC budget concerns as of late. And one of the websites that I think is being targeted is um, part of our namesake, which is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy website, which is at um, BBC, well, BBC.co.uk slash H2G2, which will bring you to the site, which had just recently had a makeover, I believe. And now this is going to be maybe consolidated or, or uh, taken away, or I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird sort of thing. Um, Dave, do you want to take this one? Well, yes, uh,
1: the the BBC, because they've got the frozen license and because the, uh, I mean, let's just say that the BBC uh, and their whole grouping of the. Uh, presence on the internet have been a fabulous success uh, the success of the uh, the BBC AI player has been phenomenal they're just uh, regrouping all the radios they're starting a new radio player they've had fabulous uh, developments of uh, the different blogs they've uh, podcast they've taken podcasts to the heart now uh, and they've been an awful lot but basically the whole thing has got uh, a disproportionate amount of uh, budget I think they spent something like a hundred and 35 million on their uh, internet presence last year. That's been slashed by 25%. They're going to lose about 600 jobs, I believe, over the next year or two. And one of that is this rationalization that's going on um, uh, in their um, things. So uh, a few things are being brought together uh, and other things are being, uh, to put it politely, knocked on the head. It looks like the as you said the h2 g2 which has just undergone quite in fact the 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 timing of their announcement of the makeup over of it and the announcement of it being cut was less than 2 days i think
0: that's yeah. that's really wow
2: yeah i mean that's that's that's, that's just typical BBC, I mean, I could rant and rave about this for quite a long time, and we'd have a program just about me ranting and raving how mental the BBC management is. Um, instead of, well, there are simple ways to cut uh, costs within the BBC, uh, and the problems that they've got an easier way to get, cut the costs would be to get rid of the absolute shed load of managers that they've brought on board because managers they brought in have just brought in more managers and more managers and more managers and now you've got managers that are probably just uh, sat there to manage a glass of water or to yeah. put it in a simplistic sort of way but all this, managers cost money and a heck of a lot of it and this is what is uh, part of the problem and this is what makes the Tories um, which is the Conservative Party um, want to have a go at them um, mainly because if you if you look at it's a lot of politics, the BBC has a problem because it's a heavy politics, but it has as much as we love it, it's most people will admit it's leaning towards the left. So it's you know, it's Labour Party, it's it's sort of that sort Whoa. of direction. And that's sort of politics, yeah, this is the sort of thing. Some people say no it isn't, but a lot of the time yes it is. Um, well it's got a remit to be to be neutral in 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 its
1: uh, output. so yeah. uh, and it, it's certainly fa- I mean I would hold it up against any other broadcaster in terms of getting to, to achieve that and I just must make one correction. Uh, I read the wrong six it's 360 posts to go over the next two years yeah. and a 34 million pound cut. So that's 50 million dollars cut.
2: Yeah, uh, that, that H2G2 is going, it's just a sign that because uh, Douglas Adams has is, uh, is unfortunately been uh, dead. Well, he's
0: still dead, is, isn't he?
2: He's still dead, and in fact, this May will be <laughs> 10 years. Wow, uh, 11th, that's right. Uh, the 10th anniversary, um, this is very sad that they can't just keep this one site there. Well, I but can't imagine
0: it being too expensive to run because it's not like, yeah. well, like you just said, Douglas Adams is no longer around. So it's not like there's new Hitchhiker's Guide material coming out. This is basically just a uh, a community forum type of thing where yeah. people can I mean, talk it's be- about. It's, it's become more of a reference
2: page as mm-hmm. of. An Encyclopedia Britannica, if you will, um, for for but but
0: unlike Doctor Who, where you have new stories and episodes and series and seasons coming out, which has to be constantly updated, and they do all this other stuff, you know, the advent calendar and all this, uh, you know, the, the, the I mean, it's not like they're doing that with Hitchhiker's Guide. So I would imagine yeah. the cost for this is pretty pretty minimum, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that would kind of volunteer to do moderation or whatever on the site, if that's the case.
2: I mean, in total, about 180 websites are expected to close ahead of the schedule uh, late this year. Uh,
1: can we interrupt this uh, broadcast uh, uh, uh. just for breaking news? Hold, hold on, hold on.
0: Here we go. OK, go ahead, Dave.
1: Well, I've just got a, a minute or so to just preface this. The um, National Television Awards are live as I speak. We're now on the Best Drama Performance the people in the categories are Matt Smith for Doctor Who, Dick Cumberbatch for Sherlock, <laughs> Very good. David Jason for A Touch of Frost, and Philip Blenister, Ashes to Ashes. They're just showing the final clip now of Philip Blenister, who poor guy has been so often uh, the person who's fallen behind Doctor Who many years. Is he, I think even one year he claimed he came on to to take the award on behalf of doctor who when when somebody couldn't receive it but um we're now uh, i'm just watching keely hawks and uh one or two other casts and um the uh, the uh, daniel mays as well who we may be talking about in lieu of another uh, british sci-fi shortly carry on We'll just hold on. Breaking news might come in any second.
0: <laughs> We're all yeah, the, waiting with bated breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all well, great actors. I mean, it's it's hard to uh, choose from any of those. They're, they're all it sounds like a great lineup. Yeah. I mean, I'm hopefully
2: it'll go to a proper vote, and not that the fact that two of those actors, one it'll be the last chance for as uh, for, um, for, right. Jason, no, for, um, for for David um, Jason because yeah. he's going into retirement permanent, and uh, F- Philip, and for Philip, it's the last chance for. Uh, for, to get awarded as that character because the series has ended and it's not coming back, that's it, it's done. So, it, you know, if he's if he's able to come back in this category, it's be, be something completely different. But, uh, keep our fingers crossed. Come on, Smith! Uh, and even more
1: breaking news for the ladies. Cumberbatch looks as though his hair's a bit shorter than it was. And let's
0: see if we can hear it. Hear his hair? <laughs> David Jason. Wow. You heard it. Well, there. congratulations it to uh, David, David Jason. Jace. I mean, I've—it's I've, you know, I'm, obviously i obviously I. Any of them would have been great actors, and in fact, we're, we're sort of—if it's the same David, James, David Jason that I'm thinking of, I think we're yeah, it, it kind of relates to this uh, episode in a way. But we'll get on David, with
2: that. <laughs> Especially for us. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still going to say fix because it's his last chance. It's his last chance. Yeah. So. Well, uh,
0: they tend to do that with the Academy Awards as well. If, if someone's getting on in years and they haven't won yet, they seem to kind of tip that way. At least that's how it seems.
2: Certainly it does. And uh, the fact is, it's really ridiculous because. For quite a while, you uh, uh it's actually Stephen Moffat himself that put me onto this on Twitter. You could actually go and vote yourself, mm-hmm. so you know, oh well. Talking to David Gosh. Jason, sounds like an American election. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to David Jason now, David Jason, um had been in two adaptations of Terry Pratchett books. He was in uh, The Hogfather, which was the first one, first one, and The Colour of Magic. And now it's come to my attention. Uh, after la- or last year's, which is only just gone, uh, going postal, we are to get another adaptation of a book that's only just been out in the last year, which is Unseen Academicals. So we get to see football, in the discworld um world. So um actors have yet to be announced, but um I'm I'm hoping that the um that Charles Dance actually comes back to play the patrician um of Ankh Morpork and uh, we might get to see a CGI orangutan, He's a character called the Librarian who's uh, who was once a man but had a magical accident and is now a librarian. He actually had the choice to get changed back into a man, but preferred to be an ape the whole time. So I'm I'm kind of sort of looking forward to this. So that's one of the Terry Pratchett's, this will be the fourth one, Um, and I'm quite rather looking forward to it because they've been rather spectacular in the past. Uh, The Hogfather was quite a a good uh, start there, but everybody uh, really sort of levels on the Color of Magic as being the, um, the, the measurement to get against which all the other ones should be made because it really was on top of its game. Uh, you had, um, Sean, I've got his name. Uh, he was one of the hobbits, um,
0: Oh yeah, yeah I know shows. who you're talking about.
2: Sean Sean Austin. Yes, Newt that's, that's back. the one. I just mm-hmm. had to think of Texas. <laughs> when he come back, but Sean Austin, who was playing uh, Two Flower, and David Jason, who was playing Wind, uh, quite spectacularly, uh, in it. And this is the one. Now last year's was Going Postal, uh, which had uh, a sort of. Stephen Moffat's link there. Uh, one of the characters was played uh, by—I don't know if I, I'm having one of these brain fart moments—but uh, it was basically when the characters were well, used to be in the Stephen Moffat production um, *Coupling*, mm. and uh, that's the sort of the sort of link there. But uh, I hope it's looking good. So it's nice to know that this will be going out. It's not confirmed where this will be going out on uh, Mr. Murdoch's now-owned Sky Productions. But uh, it has been in the past. But since uh, Sky is being looked at, this is a British TV channel being looked at, being completely taken over by Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox. So yeah, do worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this we'll have to wait and see. Um, I would like it to land on maybe another channel. Maybe the BBC would like to take it, you know, because it's been produced by an outside um, firm. Or maybe ITV could take it. Or even Dave. So, because these things are l- quite literally luscious um, and well done uh, productions. So, that's on that bit.
1: And he's not done so bad, actually, from uh, A Touch of Frost, which I don't particularly like. I'm just looking now And Touch of Frost. Uh, most popular actor. He won in 1999, 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, 2003... Uh, so he's he's done pretty well with that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, last
0: chance.
1: So I don't believe that. Somebody's already updated Wikipedia. It already has two thousand eleven.
0: I'm sure they were there <laughs> they probably like had it already set and they had the text already set and they were just waiting for it to be confirmed and hit enter. Believe
1: them. <laughs>
2: Well, was, it, was it the same person that uh, managed to uh, <laughs> update the uh, Christmas, the um, <clears throat> bit that one of Marilyn Monroe's husbands was the doctor?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> From A Christmas Carol. I don't think that's too spoilery. Yes. Which yes, came well. out on
2: DVD just the Monday
0: gun,
1: which was nice. Um, which won't apparently be showing in New Zealand anytime soon.
0: Yeah, that's right. We had reported last time that it was going to be, uh, well, it might have been, I think we might have reported on Dr. Pachok that it was coming out on the end of January in New Zealand, but it turns out that that's not the case. So.
2: And it is the case again, because this is the bit that keeps going back. Whatever it is, um, if you live in New Zealand, um, look at January 30th. I just hope for the best. It's the only tip we can give you at the moment. Because the fact that every time it comes back, the last thing I heard was from Benjamin Elliott, who said that it is being shown. Oh, it is It is now. going out on the channel, uh, of the said channel, on the said date. You know, it keeps being said that the, the date's going to change but it keeps coming but and said it's
0: going to be Sunday the, the exactly. 26th now as we record this so wouldn't we know if it's going to be coming out if it's the end of January because the end of January is uh, days away now
2: I would have so I feel sorry for the New Zealanders, I really do I really, really do um, What
1: are you talking about? <laughs> eh? Hey? They, uh, they have all the marvellous uh, stuff from uh, Lord of the Rings down there and they're getting it back
2: I don't know it's just it's Christmas Carol is just, um, yeah, I, I, just on I blame, as well. the, just, I
0: blame the sheep is what I do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> when, when you've got uh, an overpopulation of 30 million sheep you know it's like uh, um, the actual sure. population is not that much New Zealand
0: I'm sure uh, they had something to do with this well, they'll get it sooner or later, hopefully sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, you're not saying Doctor Who fans a Sheep, I Graham. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad for drama, Dave. <laughs> um, besides that, we'll have to send a space goat on him, um, on them to sort them out with his laser horns. I'm drifting. But it was the fact that um, the uh, I'm hoping that they're not going to have it. Um, okay, you can look at it two ways. Uh, that's that, that, uh, a Voyage of the Damned. It took three years to come to Canada. If you look at things that way, it took me over three years to get that episode there. So, uh, I'm hopefully, I mean, it's, it's the best Christmas special for me personally ever. Um, I just hope they're not going to have to suffer that delay. And it, it may be sort of the case that uh, it'll be out in Region 4 DVD. So, they're going to end up importing it from Australia just to watch it. You know, they're gonna have it on DVD, imported from Australia before they've actually got it shown on the physical television. Mm. Which would be bad. But uh we're not this is not Podshop, this is Hitchhiker's guide to British Sci Fi and talking of which, uh, meet the Cats, Oh cats outcasts in a major new BBC one drama series, um, starting apparently this year. Um Uh, Group Courageous Pioneers face a unique opportunity, the chance to build a new and better future on another planet. Outcast is set uh, as an epic new eight-part drama series created by Ben Richards for BBC One. They are led by uh, President Tate, which is uh, played by Liam Cunningham, and his core team of Stella, uh, Hermione Norris, Cass, Daniel Mays, who you might know from... um, Uh, Ashes to Ashes. Ashes to Ashes, who played the role... He was rather mental in that, so you can expect him to be a really good actor because on Ashes to Ashes you could see the difference in his character. Uh, He could play it one way or the other. Uh, Fleur, Amy Manson, and they took charge of a set, uh, settled here, first alongside Expeditionaries, Mitchell, who... This name will sound really familiar to uh, American viewers. Jamie Bamba.
0: Hmm. Uh ah Battlestar Galactica.
2: Yes. It was rather fantastic, Mm. Battlestar Galactica, I thought. Anyway, and uh, Jack, Ashley Walters. Now, uh, this is... uh, They are a diverse group of individuals who left their old lives behind in extraordinary circumstances. Promised a second chance at life, they created a society far away from their home, friends, family, and their pasts. So, you know, hmm, this is British drama, so you can imagine what sort of intrigue is going to be in this... Um, I'm kind of looked forward to it. I have uh, just got a very short of
1: the latest teasers that I can play, Louis. Sure. Here we go. He's away. He's away.
3: You're <laughs> we weren't expecting you until tomorrow. Yeah, I came back to show them when I thought of a weapons ban. All my pass officers have handed theirs in. We're not pass officers, Stella. We're expeditionaries.
4: Did you fall for my wife like everybody else? So Mitchell, what have you
2: done? Back off! Or I'll kill you. You start all over again, you mess things up again. I don't want to shoot you, Cass. Just give up, it's not too late. It's Mitchell, it's too late now, though, isn't it? it
1: sounded uh, very uh, uh, Doctor Who-like music there, didn't it? Um,
0: yeah, I had a little Murray... Gold, Murray in there. gold in there didn't it yeah um,
2: Murray gold Murray gold not as Karen Gillan says Marigold <laughs>
0: yeah there's about
1: uh, seven little teasers like that that are on the uh, BBC outcast uh, site which may well be region blocked but uh, they're all just about 30 40 seconds uh,
2: a little bit like they did with the little dot Who teasers if you remember hmm Oh, it sounds fantastic! It really does. It kind of reminds me of um, something that came out in the United States uh, during the '90s, which was, I think, Earth Two was the was the program uh, which was a fantastic. I I thought it was rather fantastic um, uh, series, uh, and it sort of has sort of notes of that for me, just done with British accents, really, Mm -hmm. and a bigger budget. And they had not a bad budget at the time, but uh, we are a fair few years on from that point, so
0: yeah. And when is um, Outcast due to uh, hit the screens? Could
1: be as early as March, I think. No, okay. I don't think it's going to be Couple before months. then, but it's Spring. not far
0: off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, hopefully um, it won't be um, competing with Doctor Who, would it? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. Uh, uh, eight episodes, 50-minute episodes each very good in actual fact uh, it says on the Outcast page I'm looking now it says actually mid-February date not published of yet so it could be could be earlier
0: well they're, they're I mean, both BBC right so it's yeah. that was um, I mean, that, a misnotion of me saying competing so they, they're not really competing
2: I mean it would fit perfectly wouldn't it really if that came to an end and then straight after you got uh, Doctor Who mm. so you got entertainment for longer which is nice very um, cool. now, last bit we're gonna to have to ask uh Lewis about because uh being human okay has started with series three in the United Kingdom all right so I don't know if you can cut c- sci-fi but okay um sort of science fiction elements but fantasy as well and okay but being humans uh sort of for people who don't know it is uh a series about uh, a house or a household that encompasses a ghost A vampire and a werewolf, and if that doesn't prick your interest, I don't know what will. Because (laughs) now it actually has now been remade. I don't know. It's supposed to be British sci-fi, but for the and I got to say this and behave myself at the same time. Same behave, same behave. (laughs) Sci-fi Network. Oh look, I did it.
0: Oh, you mean the, the, the network that was previously known as Sci-Fi, which is now SIFI.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to behave myself.
0: Well, it's kind of weird because I just happened, I was stumbling across something that reminded me of, I I haven't seen, let me just preface this saying that I hadn't seen Being Human before, the the UK proper version. And I was just going through um, the TV, which I normally don't really have a chance to watch too much, but I just happened to be channel surfing and I came across something on Bravo and it said Being Human. I said, oh, Bravo has Being Human. And I started watching it a little bit and I realized that it was taking place in the US. I'm like, this can't be being human. And then I realized that it's probably a U.S. um, remake of it. And then I felt dirty and I had to turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I can't watch the remake of it before seeing the proper, you know, U.K. original series. So I just didn't want to watch it if it wasn't the real original series. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's a pop. I mean, from my from what I understand, it's a very popular series in the U.K. Why not just show it the U.K. version in the U.S.? Why remake it?
2: Yeah, uh, this is this is a sort of um, demonstration that's gone all over the internet, even from U.S. fans of the British original. Uh, they just don't understand it, uh, but apparently it's not half as bad as it's supposed to be. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people said, "Oh, it's a U.S. version," because they start thinking "Life on Mars." And I've tried watching that remake. and...
1: Yeah, Uh, I think there's been a collective sigh that has gone up, a a, a good sigh, I mean, that um, the actual first episode, and I've been able to get to watch it, is is not half bad at all. It certainly scoots along pretty quick. You almost feel as though... um, The developers of it saying, you know, get people into the story before it gets cancelled because they cover an awful lot of ground in their first episode. It means that the the humour gets a little bit pushed to the side, but it was... um, uh, Actually, not too bad. I, I didn't feel as though the acting was quite up to the standard of the UK one. But again, these people have got to settle down into their character roles. Um, the second episode will have now aired on uh, Monday, the 24th of January, which I haven't seen. Uh, and basically, I think uh, episode one and two are almost like a, a you know um, a, a pilot in their own right. It's like a two a two part opener, as it were. Uh, But it certainly uh, got off to a a good start. There was only one really humorous section where the guys are looking for uh, a house to share. And um, all in all, I I didn't think it was too bad. And I thought the the girl who played the ghost on the American episode looks, although her story wasn't developed very much, uh, seemed to be uh, pretty good.
0: Well, I just wish they would show the British versions at least before, preface it before the the U.S. versions at least give the audience a taste of what the the original series was like. I said that same thing with... with, Oh, I just lost the series that uh, we just spoke about. It the, the nineteen seventy three John Simm Life on Mars. Mars. Thank you. <laughs> it's terrible getting old. So uh, yeah, they say, I said the same thing with Life on Mars. Or we can even go back to Queer as Folk, which uh, was remade for premium television here in the U.S. I think it was HBO. And uh, as good as it was, it still didn't. I didn't, don't think it marked the same level that the original uh, Russell T Davies series achieved, and when it was on Channel 4, I believe, in the UK. So I just, you know, again, I just show, it's, it's not like they speak in a different language. It's, it's just, I mean, it, I don't know, we, We've. I know we already had this discussion in the past, maybe on this show, probably, I know definitely on Dr. Ponshock, but it's just, it's aggravating that, um, I think part of the reason why U.S. is so, you know, centralist to the U.S. only is because they're not getting exposure to other cultures. And um, because the the suits think that, well, you know, the U.S. audiences won't buy it and they're they not going to watch it. And, and unfortunately, to some extent, maybe that's true. And, um, you know, otherwise everyone would be watching PBS.
1: Yeah. And, well, it's they do so. get... St- Sorry, they do get some exposure to it, but not at the right place. I was watching it, and about a quarter of the screen was covered up with a a little animated advert for Merlin, right in the middle of the show. Couldn't believe it. And one other thing that that seemed strange, that uh, right before the last advert break, before we went to the last section, they actually had a trailer for the upcoming... The the following week's episode, before they finish the oh, episode. Yeah,
0: that's I it. that's uh, something that Sci Fi channels or Syfy is guilty of uh, many times in the past when they used to show Doctor. Well, it was maybe it was BBC America. I don't know, but they I know that was a complaint in the past as well where they would show a preview for the next episode, spoiling it for those that are watching the first episode. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, well, they just cancelled SGU. and What the heck's going on there? S-G-U?
2: Stargate universe.
0: universe. Oh, okay. I'm out of Stargate fan, so you completely lost me there. Like, ooh, what? what? The only
2: Stargate can follow. <laughs> <coughs> and of course, you got a um, <coughs> British artist in there as well.
0: Well... Well, speaking of Doctor Who and, and um, well, we're not going to talk about Remix, thankfully, but we are talking about spinoffs. And since our last episode of Hitchhiker's Guide, we had a some new news concerning Torchwood. And I know we spoke about this on Doctor Who, Ponchuk. but on the rare chance that maybe you're not listening to that and you only listen to this show, I know it's unthinkable, but just to kind of bring you up to date, that Torchwood New World has now been changed, or apparently the title was all along going to be Torchwood Miracle Day. And that's the new title. And apparently, uh, according to Russell T. Davies, who was at a, um, a critics, uh, some sort of television critics panel, uh, he had explained the reason why. And this has to do with the premise. And I guess, um, well, a I, I, slight spoiler, even though it's out there now and Russell T. Davies said it at a, you know, himself. So I don't think it's meant to be that much of a secret anymore. But apparently it was a secret at one point was that. The, the premise is that no one dies on Earth. Uh, not a single person dies. The next day, no one dies, and the next day, no one dies, and so on and so on. And finally, on the sixth day, the the dying keep dying, but the, the, they don't quite actually die. And um, and, and I guess that the, the, the those that are, are are sick stay sick or whatever. And there's an overpopulation pro- problem and food problem. And um, I'm paraphrasing now, of course. So uh, and that's where the new Torchwood team comes in, and that's where they introduce the brand new characters. And that's the premise of Torchwood Miracle Day, which um, is coming out right now. It's in production right now. They're shooting it uh, as we speak. And it's coming out on Stars in the U.S. and on BBC, uh, I guess BBC One in the U.K. And this summer, we don't have an exact date, even though there was an erroneous date that was said that I think we spoke about last time. But that's um, we all, all we can say is this summer.
1: And this is, of course, our imitating uh, real life. I've, I've just read on the BBC News site, uh, Stop Rewind, the scientists slowing aging process. Scientists slowly unlocking the secrets of ages, aging, and some suggest treatments may soon be at hand to slow or even reverse the aging process. Oh, I could
0: use that right about now. <laughs> I couldn't remember Life on Mars. I'm like, what's that? T-? We were just talking about it with Johnson. What was that? Yeah, you sort my ears <laughs> out at the
2: same time. I thought it was uh, I thought this was going to be Torchwood Mackerel Day when it was on about a shower of fish coming from the heavens. I'm it
0: may very well be. This could all be a ruse, you know. This whole thing about you know no one dying could be. It's maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they've also oh, okay. added a new cast member, Lauren Ambrose, who, speaking of of, yes. of HBO, which I spoke about before, he she was a character uh, Claire Fisher on Six Feet Under, it's HBO series. So she's uh, going to be playing Jilly Kitzinger, a PR guru. And that she joins other new cast members, Micaiah Pfeiffer and Bill Pullman who um, are added to the cast as well. Eve Miles is there as long as uh, Kai Owens is, yeah. is, is still on board. So it's, it's still keeping its British heritage. It's a continuation. It's not a remake, thankfully. And um, we're looking forward to it.
1: Well, you've you've just you two guys give me an awful visual thought that I've just had. Uh, I'm thinking back to uh, uh, Doctor Who and, of course, the Master when uh, the Master changes everybody into himself, and it's the Master race. Yes. I'm thinking if nobody dies, don't say they change everybody into
0: Captain Jack. Well, I, I, I'm sure when I read that, that's the spark of the idea, which I'm assuming might have led to it. I, I mean, I'm not in Russell T. Davies' head, but I'm assuming maybe that's what brought this idea on, because it sounds very much like Captain Jack. Mm. Oh, my. You know, they're not going to be turning into Captain Jack, but what it, maybe, um, you know, that was the, that's where the, the seed of the idea came from. the, the you Captain Jack
1: selling snake oil.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear,
0: oh, dear. <laughs> so uh, it was the Television Critics Association panel that the Russell, Davies, Russell T. Davies was speaking at, which he uh, revealed the premise and the new title, and he was there with uh, Eve Miles, Micaiah Pfeiffer, and Bill Pullman. Pullman. Well, we'll keep you up to date on Torchwood news as it comes out. Torchwood Miracle Day is set to hit the screens this summer, so it's an exciting year as far as Torchwood goes. It's good to have it back on television again after a full year last year of No Torchwood. It's good to have it back. In the meantime, have you listened to any good British sci-fi books lately? Yes, I said listen. You could do that via Audible. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 75,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, be it thrillers, business history, science fiction and fantasy, and more, Audible content has it covered. It's compatible with iPods, iPhones, iPads, MP3 players, well, over 500 devices for your listening pleasure anytime, anywhere. For you listeners of The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. To download your free audio book today, simply go to audiblepodcast.com arttrap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap, A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. And as always, we would like to make suggestions of what you could listen to, what could be your free book perhaps, and one such suggestion is The Day the Triffids. A classic radio sci-fi drama. This is the full cast from the nineteen sixty eight transmitted BBC Radio Four production. Day of the Triffits is a classic story, classic sci-fi story written by John Wyndham, and in this production, you may hear some familiar voices if you're especially if you are a fan of Doctor Who. one Peter Pratt is in there also. Involved is Christopher Bidman. Many things,
1: some of them not nice. But in a few years' time, it will be producing a far better oil than yours at half your present price.
3: What are you offering, and how much do you want for it? I'm offering
1: a tray of fertilized seed six months from now, and I want a hundred thousand pounds. Do you? Do you? Hey, if you consider all the implications, you will find that I am being very reasonable. I shall have to consult my fellow directors.: Oh naturally, I naturally. I would like
3: an advance of 25,000 pounds.: That's rather high. Not really.
1: You see, I shall have to hire myself a jet aircraft, and
2: it had better be a good one.
5: But it wasn't good enough. He landed by night on a flat Siberian waste. A man ran up to the plane with a box under his arm and got in. He took off at once and climbed steeply. But somewhere over the Pacific, they caught up with him and blew the plane to pieces. After the fragments had dropped away, there was nothing left but a trail of white vapour. Only it wasn't vapour. It was a cloud of seeds. They were so gossamer light, they even floated on that thin air until they drifted down into the winds of the world.
4: How much of that is speculation?
3: Not much. Besides, there's no other way to account for the fact that they... they suddenly appeared in half a dozen different parts of the world at once. (laughs) We even had one in our back garden. I was 15 at the time.
4: Dad? Do you know there's a mystery behind the compost heap? (laughs) Go
3: on, Billy. Pull the other one. No, really. It's a peculiar plant. Peculiar? Oh, do come and look.
4: <laughs> Between the Berberus and the fence. There.
3: Mike. My, go- oh, my word, yes, you're right. It's very odd indeed. I can't find it in any of the books. Not flowers of the field or anything. Yeah, looks a bit foreign. Uh, there's a sort of thing like
4: a fern shoot in that trumpet shaped thing at the top of the stem. Look. And a lot of dead flies floating about inside.
3: It's no beauty, whatever it is. We'll dig it up next time we have a bonfire. Oh, no, Dad. Please not. What do you want to do with it? Study it. Oh, no. You know, take its measurements and and keep a record of its growth. All right, then, but I wish you'd spend as much time on arithmetic as you do on nature study.
4: It's not nature study, it's biology!
3: Whatever you call it, it won't get you anywhere. Now, with mathematics, you can always be sure of a good job.
0: We're going to skip ahead a little bit here.
6: Oh, come in. <clears throat> uh, do sit down, Mr... Uh... Uh, Mason. William Mason, sir. Thank you. Uh, yes. Well, my name's Luckner. I'm in charge of research. Um, well, tell me something about yourself. What sort of thing, sir? Well, what you like doing, why you want to join Arctic European. Um, Just talk to me. Mm. Uh, well, sir, I'm interested in plants and animals.
1: Um,
4: things that live. Yes, yes, yes. I don't like figures much or sitting at a desk. What experience have you? Uh, biology at school it was my best subject Mm. and I've done some research on my own on what well uh, there's a plant in our garden that nobody knows about and I've kept a sort of record of it. What does it look like? It has a circular bowl covered with leaves, which at present is 210.5 centimetres in circumference. From it springs a stem which is 82 centimetres in circumference and 120 centimetres in height from the bowl, the whole plant standing 210 centimetres from the ground. Well, that's very thorough. Now tell me what it looks like. Well, uh... <laughs> like a kind of shaggy, leafy giraffe <laughs> with no legs. And a leafy calyx where the head would be. What? Um, I'm sorry,
6: it's not a very good description. Yes, it is. Has it got four small twigs growing straight up from the base of the stem? Yes. And inside the calyx, a coiled thing, which might be a stamen. Yes, that's it. Deed it is. Give him the chairman. How long has it been there? Well, it six months since I noticed it. But it was well established then. Yeah. Well, Walter Luckner, sir. I have a young man sitting in front of me who's been growing a trifid in his back garden. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, of course. Right. Well, we're going up to see him. A trifid. Is that what it's called? Yes. Mm-hmm. In two years' time, it'll be the reason for this company's existence. But what does it do? It produces an oil that, well, wipes the floor with any of our present product. It's the hybrid of a half a dozen hybrids. Some were accidentally dispersed a year or two ago and we've had reports that specimens have been found in the tropics. Tropics? Yes, I'm going out to Ecuador next week to bring some home. Yours is the first reported in a temperate country. Uh, why triffid? Yours hasn't walked yet, I take it? Whoa. No, obviously not. But when it's between 18 months and two years old, it will lift its three main roots from the ground and walk on them. Hence triffid. But no plants walk. Well, they do now. Oh, and by the way, you've got the job
5: but I very nearly lost it. I went home hopping with excitement. The first thing I did was to go into the garden and take a look at the triffid. I bent down and examined the roots. For the first time, I noticed that there were indeed three of them. I began to scrape the earth away with a vague idea that the thing might walk sooner. Then something cracked across my face like a whip. I woke up in bed and a puzzled-looking doctor was standing over me. I was the first person in England to be stung by a triffid. I survived because it wasn't fully grown. By the time I'd recovered, Walter Luckner was back from Ecuador with a dozen mature specimens, and he'd already discovered that the sting which whipped out of the top of the stem would kill a man instantly. He'd also discovered that if you cut the sting off the triffid, it was harmless. I went down to Worthing with him and we set up the first triffid nursery together. In the next few years, the things were so successful as oil producers that we reared more and more of them, until Um, well...
4: Yes. But can't you give me something personal? Mm? Well, I mean, Bill, you worked with them more than anyone.
3: Except Walter. He really understood triffids.
4: Tell me about that.
3: Well, um... One evening I remember sitting on a bank looking at a field of tethered triffids just about sunset. What a row they're making. Yes talkative tonight. <laughs> I wonder if it's the weather. They seem to do it more when it's dry. Do you talk more when it's dry? Talk? Yes, do you? Y- you don't really think that's what they're doing? Why not? Well, it's absurd, plants talking to each other. You once said they couldn't walk. Oh yes, but that's a mechanical thing. I mean, if, if they talk, it would mean they
6: had some intelligence. Have you ever noticed that when they sting, they seem to go for the face or the hands? Yes. Especially for the eyes. Well, it's probably accidental. Possibly. But it could be because they want to reduce our advantage. Sight is our only advantage, you know. Whatever there's vegetables. Yes. You just think, if you were blind and alone in a field with a triffid, what could you do? For a start, you'd starve to death. Mm. The triffid wouldn't. It could exist on flies, till it found you. And then it would only have to root itself beside your body and wait. A nice thought. Yeah. and here's another one. In some parts of Africa, they've been known to surround villages at night and kill the inhabitants. Yes, but look, we've never found anything like a brain. I mean, they're the same as any other plant when you dissect them. All the same. If there was some catastrophe which made us weaker, it would automatically make them stronger especially now we've stopped docking them to improve their quality. Oh, let's go in. But you don't really think there's anything to worry about, do you? I don't know. Anyhow, there's no use worrying. While there's money in Triffids, there'll be Triffids. (laughs) We'll tap that lot tomorrow. Put my mask and gloves on the peg, will you? Right you are.
0: Well, that gives you a little taste of the Day of the Triffids. Again, this is the classic radio sci-fi series that the BBC produced back in 1968 and you can be listening to it now as your free audiobook selection once again to get your free audiobook from audible simply go to audiblepodcast.com arttrap art trap again that's audiblepodcast.com slash art trap a-r-t-t-r-a-p for your free audiobook You could check out their site. You can check out their selection. They have a huge selection of Doctor Who titles to choose from, but you're not limited to that. Choose what you like. Any other news before we get on to our uh, feature segment? No, not not from my end, I don't think. Well, this has been a very incestuous episode because so much of uh, what we've been talking about kind of relates to each other. I mean, we're we're talking as we're... And this was completely... Spontaneous or, and serendipitous because I didn't. When I had said that we we're gonna kind of introduce and review Danger Mouse, I had no idea that David Jason was um, up for the National Television Awards and that we're gonna be recording while that was going on, so that was very serendipitous. <laughs> ooh Chief! <laughs> well, let's introduce what we're talking about. Where for those that aren't familiar with Danger Mouse, now we're talking about the TV series. There's some sort of rapper or musician that's using that name as well, which I'm yeah. I'm assuming he took from the TV series. But it was a an animated series that was produced by Cosgrove Hall Studios, which is the the studios that uh, Brian Cosgrove and Mark Hall put together, and they do a lot of animated stuff. They also did uh, two novels of Pratchett's Discworld series, uh, again, tying it into everything we're talking yeah. about in this episode. And it's
2: um, Soul Music and Weird Sisters.
0: Those are the two two novels, you. Thank
2: which I both have on DVDs as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well,
1: very good. They well, also did uh, Doctor Who, Scream of the Shalker. The
0: yes, yes. They... And,
2: and to bring a second Doctor perspective to this whole thing, if you own the Invasion, the missing episodes were also done by them uh, in the same sort of style. And the Infinite Quest as well, was
0: it? Was there, Were they all... Because uh, they, they're very different, the Infinite Quest to... Uh, or, well, no, maybe I'm thinking of the other... No, I'm sorry, never mind. I'm thinking of the... The, Jamie the, your yeah, now? yeah. All right. So, yeah, it's it was a television series, an animated series. Now, you may be thinking, OK, Danger Mouse, how does that how is that British science fiction? And even though it is based on Earth, he's a secret agent. Um, some may say superhero, but he's a he's a mouse. He lives in a police—not um, a police call box. <laughs> he lives in a uh, a pillbox, a, a mailbox, a uh, in in the UK on Baker Street, and that's um, not a, a nod to Tom Baker or anything like that. But isn't that where Sherlock Holmes lived?
2: 20, 20, uh, something. oh, God, B, Baker Street. Oh, and I'm having the same problem as Lewis now. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I'll check in a minute, but while you just check, uh, I should also mention they did uh, Truckers, which was another um, uh, Terry Pratchett uh, children's book that they changed into cartoon, and that was into a TV series.
0: Mm. Yeah, so uh, so as I was saying, it's, it's, it's an animated series, and for me, I discovered it in the U.S. Actually, in I guess it was uh, the early '80s, maybe 1984. It was on Nickelodeon, and that was my first, I think, exposure to Danger Mouse. And I fell in love with the series at then. At that time, I can't believe that's like 26, 27 years ago now. Yeah, wow. So. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up watching, as far as uh, animation goes, I'm I grew up I always loved like the Warner Brother cartoons, Bugs Bunny, and, and and that whole lot where you know, all the characters had a bit of an attitude towards them, and it's, wouldn't it wouldn't be unlike them to kind of talk into the camera and uh, talk to the audience and break that that fourth wall down and. Danger Mouse kind of fits right into that same flavor where they often will, will do the same thing. Now, going back to what I was saying, okay, how is this science fiction? Danger Mouse is very much science fiction. He not only is a secret agent on Earth, but he also has a space hopper, which uh, sometimes takes him out of the out, out of out, all, off the planet and to other worlds and uh, other galaxies. Uh, there's um, often their titles are spoofs of movies, and there's what um, was one that was about close, close Encounters of of the Weird. I don't know. I should get to a, an episode listing. Hold Just on. a bit.
2: <laughs> there's ninety. Well, basically, there's uh, as far as listed as ninety episodes in total. Um, now, some of the actors you had in this show uh, were, at the time, quite top-notch actors and or well-known actors. Um, now. Funny, we just mentioned this.
0: Um, oh, by the way, it's it's Close Encounters of the Absurd Kind, is what I was absurd thinking.
2: Absurd Kind, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wrong, was that first went out. Um, now, Danger Mouse himself is played by David Jason, who we mentioned. Who just so won. Uh, just, you know. Uh, well, it's. Won it, a bunch it, of awards it, again.
0: Yeah so we come full circle again It's the series started in 1981 and I thought it was only limited to like the early 80s and it wasn't until later on uh, that I discovered that it, they had later episodes all the way up to like as late as uh, 1992 now they skipped a few years there they, I think there was, I think they went from 1987 to 1991, so there was nothing in between there. And some of those series were very limited, like they were just uh, 1987 had just two stories as as opposed to some of the other years where they have, you know, uh, eight or 10 or, or or more stories. And also the episode lengths vary as well. So some some of them are four mega four minute segments. Some are uh, like ten ten minute segments. Yes, yeah. oh. and 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 like I said, it varies. So so that changes. And as I was saying, it is very much science fiction, and it does kind of refer to other science fiction uh, shows and movies. Uh, as I said, there's a, there's nods to classic films like Close Encounters. Uh, even Doctor Who gets a nod a, a few times over. The, uh, I, there's one story where they take a Potter's shed back to Earth. You know, that was a reference to the Doctor. And one time they they time travel in a well, this is very master like. I think it was a um a a um, like a grandfather clock, a one of those clocks. And, and I think they make a mention uh, they make some sort of mention it's sort of like that doctor character or something like that they, they, they make mentions like that and it's, it's, it's humorous it's funny it's, you have to kind of really watch it to, can, to kind of get the flavor of it and uh, it has a great theme song which I failed to play when we started this so let me just play a little bit now That's the Danger Mouse theme music there. And you may be thinking, well, this is just for kids. It really isn't. If you watch it, it's, I think it's enjoyable no matter how old you are. It's a great series. Uh, some, some of it is, um, like I said, a little wacky, but it's a good wacky. It had a couple spin-offs. Well, it had one spin-off, most notably, which is uh, Count Duckular which is a yeah. duck character that he encounters that was obsessed with show business. and uh,
2: Vegetarian vampire duck. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that so tells you a lot about it. Uh, the thing with this, uh, this this show is there is, like most British and indeed Warner Brothers cartoons, a lot of uh, jokes for the adults in it. Now uh, the only you kids, know, mm-hmm. kids are, yeah. are what kids just sit and watch it. It's bright, it's colourful. There's lots happening, and there's stuff for the adults as well. I mean, you have got uh, people who have been in, in TV shows all over the place, and um, including a Doctor Who veteran, Edward Kelsey, who plays Colonel K. It's the direct boss of, of Danger Mouse, and he uh, was in. Uh, I keep. I've got to say this properly. The Creature from the Pit. I keep mm. calling it The Creature from the Ingrid Pit. Um, I don't know why I keep doing that. Uh, and he was also in episode two of The Power of the Daleks. Um, so, you know, this is well, episode one and two uh, of The Power of the Daleks. So you've got real steadfast uh, main actors, uh, famous in British, t- not only British TV, but sometimes worldwide. Uh, now, the assistant too Danger Mouse is Penfold, and he's played by a British comedian called Terry Scott. He was a comedian actor. Oh, uh, Crumbs. With, uh, he's the one who says, Oh, Chief, oh, Crumbs, Chief. I don't think I like that guy. Uh, sort of, it's, actually, it's not bad. It's probably the only personation I get right from this whole thing. Um, but uh, Penfold, shush. Is, Penfold is his psychic. He's uh, a hamster. He's. Uh, I think, yeah, he's, um, he's supposed to be a hamster. But he's a blind hamster. And he's always getting himself <laughs> into sort of all sorts of trouble. Uh, and Terry Scott, because uh, Terry Scott comes uh, from, uh, well, I say dynasty, but he's always in British television uh, throughout the 70s and through uh, most of the 80s uh, on, on comedy shows, uh, especially alongside June Whitfield, which you'll know from Doctor Who, being Minnie the Minx in the uh, end of time. Uh, they had this uh, thing called Terry and June. Uh, they both starred in together, so I mean, there's links. To the, it's weird to think this is typical British TV. What <laughs> I call British TV. Everything seems to link to everything else. Uh, people who like a certain show will probably end up liking another show, yes, and there yeah. are links between these shows back and forth. Uh, Blake Seven, you've got as, as mentioned, you've got Blake Seven. You not only got Jacqueline Pierce, but it's written by Terry Nation, and that. Uh, but then you've got Doctor Who, which had the dialects written by Terry Nation, and Jacqueline Pierce stars as a, uh, an Andragum it's rather weird. This is how British TV works. Everybody sort of, it's a very close-knit community of actors you could I suppose you could say.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm very um, surprised when I come across a British actor that wasn't in, like, Doctor Who or Blake 7. When, when, you know, <laughs> that seems to be rare, you know, especially with Doctor Who has such a long history, almost 50 years now, you think eventually at some point okay, there were some years that it unfortunately wasn't on and being produced, but you would think somewhere along the line they were on Doctor Who, but uh, most likely they are, but it's on a rare occasion that you come across that someone isn't
1: yeah and although they didn't live inside a uh, police box they did live inside a pillar box
0: yes so that's what I was getting box. at yeah yeah
2: it's and, uh, another sort of British um, icon that is actually also now uh, fading by looks of it it's uh, I a mean, British basically uh, Letter boxes, or pill boxes, as you want to call them. Uh, They were also sort of one of those iconic things. Are they
0: going away? These are the red mailboxes that are. We should have said that. It never occurred to me to explain what a pillar box was. Yes.
2: Uh, Yeah, lovely red things. It's one of those things, it's like the. uh, It's like most things. The telephone boxes as well. You know, the British Red telephone boxes, which have now long disappeared from British streets.
0: It's a Um, shame. Those are classic uh, uh, icons as well.
2: Classic icons, there's maybe one or two. They were usually used by some idiot as a toilet. Um, And unfortunately... I told you not to
0: speak of that again. (laughs)
1: To be fair, I mean, they've even done that in the States. I mean, I remember when the first uh, um, Superman film came out. Yeah, there was a...
0: There's a scene there where yeah, yeah, he goes to change and there's there's only a stand up police, uh, not police, a uh, stand up telephone public phone thing, you know, yeah. no no um, enclosure to change in. So and and now those are rare things too. With with mobile phones, it's uh, it's rare rarer and rarer that you see public phones.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a pity. And you'll see a lot of imagery. Um, I mean, things like taxis, British taxis, seem to be still around, but it's only because they've gone, like like the mini car, uh, the car, the mini, uh, gone through major uh, redesigns and, and specialist firms build them now, the old taxi cabs. Hmm. But, um, I mean, the thing is, it is science fiction, the uh, Deja is science fiction for the sheer fact that, hey, you've got a flying car.
0: you got a flying car, he has a space hopper, He's uh, there's many science fiction themes explored. I, I told you that he you know with the space hopper he does occasionally leave Earth. He um, he does encounter aliens. He's uh, there's time travel involved. There's uh, many times they've gone back in time to prehistoric times. They're, they've gone into the future where they, there's a spoof of Planet of the Apes where they're cats you know and he's a mouse. So they're, they're, but the cats have taken over the planet. So it's it's very enriched in science fiction themes and uh, uh, of course just like bond has all the gadgets and all the all that science fiction type of stuff
1: there's a little bit of a, a, a Batman feel as well to some of the yes. villains. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, the first, the main villain, and I say the first is because uh, he's in the pilot episode, and I should make a mention that on the DVD, I, I know on the U.S. version of the DVD, they include the original pilot that have different voices, which is very hard to watch because you're just so used to the their established voices during the series, but the original pilot, I, which I guess was used to sell the series at first, had different actors doing the voices, and they just sound very strange. But be that as it may, um, the the original villain was Baron Silas Greenback, which also was voiced by Edward um, Kelsey. And he – this is my only complaint about the series, really, was that the first few series, uh, the first few years, he was really the the only villain that you would see. And, and it just became a little – even though he was good and great and all that, but, it, you know, it wasn't until later that they started varying the villains and they were different – you know, he would encounter different things because it was always, like, the same thing. Okay, well, he got away or if they – you know, somehow – if he if they do capture the Baron, and somehow in the next episode he was out free again and – it just got a little tiresome. But uh, eventually, there were other villains that were introduced, um, including um, Count Duckular, which, like I said, spun off on his own series. And um, there was, um, uh, what was it, that, that, that Count, um, there was um, Dr. Augustus oh, Cor- Crumhorn, Crum- which yeah. was a wolf like. Um, uh, they're all animals, but occasionally they do interact with people. J.J.
1: Quark, a short helmet wearing snout no space alien, who speaks with a Scottish accent.
0: Yes, yes. And Grovel, the robot, who's constantly saying I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mesta, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's uh, a constantly uh, groveling.
2: Yeah, but we mustn't forget that, um, that Baron Greenback had his back and that was the uh, Stiletto the Crow.
0: Yes, um, yes. Is Which, interesting digital. is that in uh, when it was distributed in the U.S. now, I I recorded the stuff back when it was on like Nickelodeon, and I need to kind of go back and rewatch it because I've gotten the DVD when it came out on DVD. I've just been watching the DVDs since because why go back to old re- recorded VHS tapes? But uh, apparently, when it was uh, distributed in the U.S., they changed uh, Stiletto from an Italian accent to a Cockney accent, not to offend Italian Americans, and and but on the BB on the DVD, it's been restored. To its original um, voice, so it's an uh, interesting note there.
2: I mean, the, the whole joke is he's, he's a he's a, a raven or a, a crow or a black.
0: Goat. I think he's a, uh, he's
2: a crow. He's supposed to be a crow, and he's got you know it's a, a pointed beak, and he's called stiletto, as in the stiletto knife, which is an Italian uh, dagger. And that's where the joke was um, sitting because he's, you know, he's got this Italian accent. He's called stiletto. I mean, hello. <laughs> uh, I think somebody missed the, the joke there. Um, like I say, there's a lot of jokes that are hidden. and
0: Well, just like Rocky st- and Bowinkle in the U.S. Had, uh, were geared for both younger viewers. And, and if you're an older viewer, there were jokes there that the younger viewers, that may have gone over the heads of younger viewers, but the adults could appreciate. And I think that's the same thing here with Danger Mouse uh he had a the uh, baron had also had a little like a white cat but it was a caterpillar named uh Nero and um he was um sort of the, the aside from stiletto was uh, baron's little sidekick there was also leatherhead which was a another crow which was only in the first few episodes and then they kind of disappeared yeah,
2: because the main thing is that Danger Mouse and Penfold, Colonel K, and Stiletto, quite interesting, all appeared just about in all episodes. Stiletto only was never in one episode in the entire series, so... Well was just
0: so bad. Uh, another interesting thing while watching the series is that well a couple interesting things one is that they they live in London, but apparently London is deserted because I guess to save on the course of animation there's whenever they leave the the pillbox or or travel anywhere in London, you never see any other people unless it's a character that you know, it plays a part in the story, but otherwise, there's like no background people unless they they need it there. But but otherwise, London looks deserted. Uh, another caveat or another little inconsistent uh, inconsistent thing is aspect their, their, their size rather is inconsistent because they they live in a police. Um, I keep on saying that they live in a pillbox. <laughs> too much for to Who here. Pillbox, easy. Pillbox. The they, they they they're small. They're they're mouse size and hamster size. Though in the same episode they could be interacting with a human and now they're human size, uh, you know. So sometimes the scale varies uh, from episode to episode. There's like one episode where I think with a milk truck and it parks and it looks like it's full size, yet then the the driver goes into the. Pillbox, and obviously he's small now, so it could actually vary from episode to episode, or within the same episode. Sometimes, um, you know, the scale isn't; it fluctuates, but that's okay. Well, it, it's, they to do that in Doctor Who with sharks, so <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's it's a um, it's a fun series, and if you haven't checked it out. Uh, it's available in the U.S. on DVD. It's, it's, its I'm not sure if it's shown anywhere, unfortunately. It would be great if it was. And like I said, I discovered it on Nickelodeon back in the 80s, and it would be great if, um, I, you know, stuff like this, even like the, the classic Doctor Who and um, Blake 7 and all these series, which I really wish had some exposure. I really wish there was like a sci-fi channel in the U.S. that would show this stuff.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> instead of that oh,
0: I'm going to behave myself yeah, behave yeah. Myself. The, we get wrestling and other stuff um, on that other channel
2: and, and sharks that are octopuses at the same time yeah what's that
0: man? <laughs> I have no idea so uh, yeah, I recommend checking it out. It's always been a favorite series of mine, and the humor is there, the intelligence is there. It has a narrator that is you know introduces the story and closes the story, and many times he'll be talking to you, the audience as well, or or the characters themselves might interact with them. So it has that going for it as well.
1: I mean, we've we've already mentioned, you know, that it is is science fiction in that sense. We've already mentioned that it it, it relates some with other programs, but it was really also a spoof of uh, James Bond and Danger.
0: Definitely, Man. yeah, and, and uh, Danger Man, right? Yeah. yeah, Patrick
1: McGoon one. That, that was what the one he did uh, prior to um,
0: Prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah, which many people just thought was the same character when the Prisoner came out. All right, well, that's uh, Danger Mouse. It's a great series. Uh, like I said, it's always been a favorite of mine. It's, um, it's a lighthearted animated series, so mm-hmm. if you have a chance, check it out. Any other final thoughts before we wrap up today's show?
2: Oh, chief! <laughs> <laughs>
0: a short post-production note concerning our discussion about Danger Mouse. I was calling his headquarters which is a British mailbox, a pillbox box. It's actually a pillar box, which I knew, but I was having a, you know, brain problems at the time. So I do apologize for that confusion. All right. Well, I guess until next time, thank you for listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. And I want to thank both Dave and Graham, and I want to give them a chance to let um, them tell you where you can find them. They both have their own podcasts. So, um, so I guess since I introduced Dave first, let me first, let me hand it to Graham first this time. And Graham, where can people find you?
2: Right. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at the numeral two, N-D, doctor. Uh, so it looks like the second doctor with the second reduced to number two. And uh, I'm also on Facebook there. Basically, my sort of full discipline title is Graham, the second Dr. Sheridan. Uh podcast is uh, Professor Howe the Doctor Who parody podcast so if you like Big Finish but want to have a bit of a laugh with it because uh, Big Finish seems to get a bit serious uh, and doesn't sort of hold the jokiness uh, that the original Doctor Who had and um, you can find me there. Or my own The Second Doctor's podcast, um, where I review anything Doctor Who, just not what's current. Uh, if I look at what's current, I try and go completely opposite direction, and usually often a tangent. So, cool. you can find me. And Dave?
1: Well, uh, if you want to know mainly about the other podcast I do, that's the Cultum Collective with Ian the Sixth Doctor. And we have a blog at cultum.com. And on uh, Twitter, I'm Dave AC. That's just all one word. And uh, just, uh, yeah, join us if you can with the Cult and Collective. We do it live on Sundays, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you'll find the topics on that You page.
0: Fantastic. And they can follow you on Twitter at Dave AC. Yeah. All right, well, thank you both once again. It's been a fantastic show. I had a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back next time for more Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Thanks for listening to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Send feedback to feedback at dot ficom To support this podcast, please visit arttrap.com and hit the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. You can also visit the shop there and get your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi Swag, which includes shirts, mugs, and assort of trinkets with the show's logo. If you're not already a listener, be sure to listen to Doctor Who PodChock. It's the Doctor Who podcast you don't want to miss. Go to Podchalk.net for details. This is Lewis Trapani, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com/slash LewisTrapani. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Please visit arttrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.